Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So when I say the words high maintenance, what like immediately pops into your head? Like, do you have like a friend or a coworker or a neighbor or just somebody that you know, perhaps as a family member, maybe it's even you, who are just high maintenance? Takes a lot of energy, a lot of effort, seems picky all the time, just never really seems satisfied. Or maybe when you hear high maintenance, you think of like an old car you're working on those Old cars you have to keep putting money and energy into, and it seems like all the time you're working, working, working on this thing, and it's never quite enough. You're always in like this huge project all the time. It's a high maintenance car. But everything needs to be maintained. Like our relationships need to be maintained. If we don't put energy into relationships, those relationships die. And cars, items, things that we have, those things need to be maintained. If you don't take care of your home, you don't take care of your car, those things will deteriorate. So everything needs a typical amount of maintenance, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about the -the over-the-top maintenance. Now, perhaps you're giggling because you know that you're one of those people, you are those high-maintenance people, or you're sitting next to one of those high-maintenance people. And there's some characteristics sometimes with high-maintenance people, like you go out to eat and like they pick all like the sesame seeds off the bun because they can only have it a certain way or you have to drive all across town to find this one specific type of bread that they only eat and it seems like everything is like this huge drawn out experience and I mean for honest they don't ever really seem content never really can be satisfied there's always something else high maintenance takes a lot of time it takes a lot of energy it takes a lot of resources maybe it's you But I found this meme, it just made me giggle when I think about high-maintenance people. It says this, I prefer to describe myself as delightfully difficult, and it would just be easier if you would agree. High-maintenance people, you kind of know that you are. You know, and I've heard high-maintenance people say, well, great things require great maintenance. But the truth is, underneath everything, there's just this dissatisfied heart and just never a place of just being. Never a place of contentment. In Forbes, they had a list of some of the top traits of high-maintenance people. Here's uh, the top three. First, they have very urgent needs. Everything is like right now, take care of this right now, I have to take care of this. If I don't do this, I'm going to be miserable. It's going to be a miserable day if you don't take care of what I need. They're urgent and they press that urgency onto other people. Secondly, they ask people to do things that they could do themselves. You know, they would sit there and say, hey, go get me this, or would you take care of this for me even though I can do it? They tend to always be putting their burdens on others even though they can do it themselves. And finally, they say they're seldom satisfied. I mean, as people, when they're given this extra care and attention, it seems inevitably there's always something else wrong, something else that has to be filled. And they never come to that place of saying, I'm good. They tend to always have a high degree of needs. High maintenance people. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to be in 
around those people at times. It's frustrating, I think, if you are that person, if you know you're high maintenance. It's frustrating for you too because you never find that place of contentment. It seems like you're just always on the move, always unhappy, always struggling. Never at that place of just being. The place of, I'm okay right now. The place of calm, the place of this situation is okay. I don't need anything else right now. That place of peace. But if we're honest, at different situations in our lives, all of us have been high maintenance to some degree or another. All of us have gone through a season where we need a lot and we, we, we put our burdens on others and we, we are ourselves high maintenance. At some point, at some time, even if you're a very simple person, you're like, not me, I never have. At some point, at some time, we all have it to some degree or another. High maintenance. In the middle of COVID, are you content right now? Like, could you say at this point, in the middle of all this, have you been content? Have you been okay with the circumstances? Have you been at peace? Or have you been needing a lot? I want, I need I need a haircut, I need need to go to the store, I need to go to a restaurant, I need, or have you been content through it? Why are you content with what you own? Like your clothes, your car, your home. Do you find what you have, your possessions, are you okay? Are you content? Or do you see yourself looking over your shoulder at your neighbor saying, if only I had that, if only I would have those things that would make me happy? Are you content right now where you are in relationships? If you're single, are you content? If you're married, are you content? If you're widowed or widower, are you content? Are you content if you're young? Are you content if you're older? Are you content in the place of life where you are right now today? Being content is something that the Apostle Paul talked about. We're going to explore the Apostle Paul this morning. The Apostle Paul had an amazingly hard difficult life. We don't know the whole story exactly happened before we are introduced to him in the New Testament, but there are some things that we can know that he had an easier life then and then had a harder life of what we see in the scriptures. Apostle Paul, if you're, if there's a new uh, concept to you, is one of the authors of the New Testament, wrote a lot of the books of the New Testament. He was writing letters to churches that he helped found or were a part of, and just being loving on these different communities, they're going through some different struggles, trying to figure out what does it mean to be the church. And so the Apostle Paul wrote them, but he had a problem. He wasn't one of the original 12 disciples, and, and he did not travel with Jesus. So they're discrediting him in a lot of ways, saying like, wait a minute, you're not even one of the, the big dogs here. You're, who are you to come along and start telling us how to live as the church? Because back then, the disciples, the ones who had seen and walked and eaten with Jesus, those are the people who had all the credit. They had the street credit, right? Like, we lived with Jesus, we saw Jesus, we know Jesus. Then, what people would talk about is the resurrection. Because the people saw Jesus die. They didn't believe he rose again. So now, the disciples like, we saw him, we were with him, we walked with him, and he has come back He's appeared to us. We've seen Jesus alive. And so when we see Jesus appearing to the different disciples, not just the 12, but there are others that he appeared to, we see that this is the evidence that they are legitimate. I walked and talked with Jesus and saw him alive. Paul did not have that. Paul didn't have the ability to talk about those things. But then Jesus encounters him. 
And Jesus encounters Paul. Now, Paul at the time, Saul, he's, he's going around and he is murdering Christians. Like he is a zealot Jewish uh, Pharisee. He's out there and he believes that this new thing that they're teaching is complete falsehood. It's blasphemy. And he's trying to squash this movement of Jesus followers. And so where you see him on a road, he's going to these different towns and Christians knew who he was. They, you know, they run in the other direction, man. This guy's a murderer. And here he comes on a road and we see in Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, Paul encounters Jesus. Jesus comes to him. He talks to him through a vision. He blinds him. He says, why, why are you persecuting me? And then Paul's whole life is flipped around. He now goes on a crusade for Jesus and spreading the gospel. Now, Paul is spreading the gospel to the Gentiles. Like, he's a Jewish man, but he's also, he is a citizen of Rome. And so what he is doing is very unique because now he's taking this message outside of just Jerusalem and the people of Israel. He's taking this message now out into the world. And now Gentiles or the people outside of the Jewish people are starting to hear about Jesus and they're coming to faith. So he's kind of like a missionary, if you will, for people outside of the Jewish kingdom. But Paul did not have an easy life. Paul's life was hard. He was arrested over and over again. He was thrown into jail because he was the first missionary preaching this gospel out. I mean, you could honestly say he was our very first church planter, right? He's out there creating churches. But this is what's so cool about Paul. He didn't go into a town and say, Hey, let's open up a church. He would go and spread the gospel. The people who accepted Christ now became the church. And these new followers of Jesus Christ would band together and they were learning and hearing about all the stories of Jesus and what he did. And they're trying to figure out how do we live in this new reality for Jesus who saved us? What do we do? Like they're kind of starting from ground zero. And that's where Paul was with his uh, ministry. But he had a hard life. Not only was he jailed, most of his letters he wrote were from jail. So he's got to write and, and, and couldn't even visit some of them. And you see these, this tension in the writings that he has. But Paul also had a hard life because people were against him. People that were his friends turned against him. People were teaching this false teaching. He was shipwrecked. I mean, shipwrecked, that's a scary thing, right? He's shipwrecked. He's beaten. He's shackled. He's thrown into jail because he followed Christ. So Paul is not having an easy life. Now, before when he was a Pharisee, before this whole thing happened, we don't know the full story, but we can make a couple of assumptions. He had an easier life. Things were better back then. There's money, there's power, there's prestige. He would have had influence in the community. People would listen to him and people would you know, flock to hear him teach and hear what he has and him interpret the scriptures. But Life was different. We can think that and see that through what would happen uh, and kind of project. But then we see what happens in the scriptures and we see, man, he had a rough. Can you imagine always being in jail all the time because you follow Christ? Can you imagine getting beaten all the time because you follow Christ? And so this man who had everything now is left to just like scraps and almost nothing. And he kept moving forward. He, in the middle of this, writes this beautiful letter to the church in Philippi. And he writes this to encourage them. And he says this in Philippians chapter 4, 
verses 11 to 13. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Notice what Paul is saying to his readers. He's like, look, I've had a little and I've had a lot. I've had food and I have been hungry. I've been in all these different different styles of uh, types of situations. I've been going through all these different things in life. I've been through a lot. In all of this, I am going to say this. I've learned to be content. Low maintenance. I've learned to just be okay. I have learned that in all these terrible things that are happening while he's in jail, while he's starving to death, he's like, I'm cool. I'm content. And he doesn't say that he has like this five-step program on how to be content in all things. He says, I am content because the strength that God gives me. Paul's relationship with God was so tight that the strength that he fought, he got from the Lord, gave him the ability to fight through all circumstances that gave him strength beyond his own mind, beyond his own body, beyond his own abilities. The strength of the Lord came on him, and he now, through all things, is content. His perspective had shifted, and he now sees things differently. He sees the situations as situations, and in this, I'm content. It's unbelievable, because... That's not my response. I'm assuming for a lot of you, that's not your first response. When calamity comes on us, when hardships come on us, we go to freak out. We go and turn against the Lord. We ask questions. We say, God, where are you in all this? Is our typical human response. And Paul didn't say, it's just already in me. I have learned. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. What an amazing passage. But I'm going to break the heart of a lot of athletes right now, which uh, I, I don't mean to do that, but just going to happen, right? Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 13, talks of, says this. It says, uh, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. It's an anthem for athletes, an anthem you see it tattooed on people's arms and across their chest. You see uh, people write it on, you know, their, their shorts or their shoes. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's like this anthem of I can go through hard workouts and I can push hard and push my body to the limits, push my mind to the limits, and God gives me strength to be able to push through those hard times. And so this verse has been kind of an anthem for that. Now, you could kind of see that. I understand that. But I want to take it in context of what this passage is. This passage is telling us, I'm content through all things. Content. So when athletes are using it, or you see it next to the John 3.16 sign, now you see Philippians 4.13, when they're saying that, they're using it as an anthem of, I can get through all the hard stuff, I'm going to push through, I'm going to be hardcore, and we're going to make it through, and we're going to win the championship. Paul is saying, I'm sitting in jail right now and I'm cool because God gives me strength. Totally different context. When calamity or hardships come, do we have the ability to deal with the highs and the lows of life? 
It's not a question of when they're going to come. It's a question of how do we handle them. And in this fear series that we're wrapping up today, we've gone through a lot of different people throughout scriptures. We looked at different aspects of how to respond to fear, how to respond to hardships, how to respond when, the, when life seems to be in the valley. What do we do? And today's message is, are you content through the hardships? Are you content through everything? Paul is an example of this because this is hard. So I want you to think for a second, what hardships have you endured this week, this month, this year? I mean, 2020, I think when it started and the Jumanji game started and someone rolled the dice and like rhinos are running everywhere and like monkeys are screaming at us, like this Jumanji game that we call 2020, what hardships have you endured? COVID alone, just, just even that, what hardships have you endured? We've gone through a lot together. We've gone through a lot in 2020. And then you go to the year before that, you can go to this week, you can go to today. What hardships have you endured? And how did you face it? Did you face it with contentness? Or did you face it with contempt? Contempt is very different than content. And there's a way that we can look at how we respond in our situations. Because content is this place of satisfaction. I'm okay. I'm cool. Contempt is despising the situation. You're against it. You're spiteful. And this contempt is just creates this anger in you and this frustration. And it's two very different responses to life. There's content and there's contempt. As you're thinking about that, and you're thinking about maybe what you've gone through this last year, perhaps what you've gone through this last week, I want to show you a video of a young man named Ezra. Ezra was a young man who faced adversity from day one. He's had to go through so much. As a nine-year-old, he shares his story of how he has endured, and he looked at his, his adversities and the struggles of life. And he was content. Check out this video. What was different about your body when you were born? I was actually born with one finger on my left hand and a full left leg, but it was curved. I had surgery when I was two and a half years old to remove the part that was curved. So I had a stump that they could put a prosthetic leg on. And then they took the big toe from that and they put it on my left hand, so I have two fingers. I did tons of physical therapy to try to get my new finger to work like a real finger and not like a toe. I was always trying to figure out how to bring them together and how to get them to come together and touch. And I was sitting in the shower and it touched. And it was amazing. I was running around the house screaming, yeah, I did it! Because that was like the first milestone. Do you feel different than other kids? Sometimes I do. People do stare and whisper. I'll be thinking, like, there's tons of kids in this world. How did he happen to choose me to be one of the kids that had to get their leg taken away? And I ask God, like, can you please give me a leg? Somehow, some way. Well, then I have to think, I was born like this. I can't change it. And when I play sports, I don't feel different. I don't think about anything else. I just think about what's happening in the game. 
Would you say sports have become a ritual for you? Yes, because I feel like if I don't play sports every day, I feel weird. I've always felt like sports is where I can go when I'm sad or lonely or anything. I love competition. I love the feeling. I love being under pressure and everything. When I'm playing sports, I go from thinking about all the other things to game mode. When I'm in the zone, I feel like I have this like fire around me. And then the flames pop up and have this circle around it. So any thoughts that try to come in and they get burned by the fire and they don't let in. Do you feel you have to work harder than other kids? Oh yes. I bet kids when they take a step, oh I took a step, big deal. For me, when I take a step, I say, oh no big deal, but I thought about every little bit. I put so much pressure on my body from being in a prosthetic all day. I come home, I'm like dying from back pain, and I have to stretch before I go to bed every night. So how do you stay positive? I have to think about what I have instead of what I don't have. I have a great life. I have a great family. I have great legs. I have great friends. I have a great school. I could go on for years. I'm just grateful that I have so many things that are great in my life. There's lots of challenges in people's life, and that's a little wall right there. So I try to break down that wall. If I'm just running around like playing soccer or shooting a layup, I don't think about it. I don't feel different when I'm playing sports because that takes me away from my disability, but it's a good thing that I'm born like this. I've learned to be confident in myself. I've learned how to be strong. So Ezra faced his adversity head on. Like, he flipped the entire script. He found contentment in his situation. From the physical ailments, it didn't stop him. From the friend people talking about, it didn't stop him. This young man took everything he had and flipped it and found to be content in his situation. He never claimed it was easy. He never claimed that he didn't have setbacks. He didn't claim that he didn't struggle. What he did say is that he had the ability to be content. He did exactly what Paul talks about in that verse in Acts. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. When we lived live in contempt, not content, contempt. We despise our situations. We struggle. We hate them. It embitters us. It hardens us. It can honestly ruin us. Contempt is something that's like a weed that can dig into our hearts and make us cold. Contempt makes us angry at those around us who are in different situations. And, and we don't, we look at them and we start to compare and say, well, why do they get all that? I have this. It makes us bitter. So the question is not if you're going to go through hardships, if we're going to go through things. The question is, what do you do when they come? Our quarantined, socially distanced COVID life I've really struggled. I, I, it's been frustrating for me. As an extrovert type A personality, it's been hard. 
I looked and searched and scraped to find contentment. And I did. I found ways. I found things. Things to be grateful for. Things that we could do together. You know, the ability to be home more and see the family and all this. But at the same time, inside of me is this rumbling. I was really starting to look at it with contempt. I think when we look on social media, we watch the news, we're seeing what's happening in our world. You're seeing these two responses, correct? Aren't we seeing people who are content in it? Saying, no, I don't, I don't like it. This isn't preferred. We're going to make the best of it. We're going to spend more time with our family. We're going to get back to what matters. We're going to, I'm going to write notes and letters to people. We're going to do drive-bys of nursing homes to bring encouragement and love to people. We're going to pour our love into our community. You see people using the opportunity and are content. And then we see the other side, which is contempt. They're angry, bitter. They hate it. They're yelling at anybody and anyone who will listen. They're frustrated. They're irritated. And somewhere in this spectrum lies all of us, either on the ends or somewhere in the middle. Sometimes I've personally floated back and forth on that continuum. COVID has really been hard. How have you been with that? Could you find contentment? Can you find contentment even now? Things are starting to open back up. We're talking. We're getting close to coming back to church. We understand, friends, and we know that this environment that you're in right now is really not what we love. When we come to church, I mean, yeah, hopefully preaching's okay, right? Yeah, you enjoy it, but, but, and the song music and all this kind of stuff, but we come together to do it together. We come to hear and listen to the word together. We come to share that cup of coffee, to give that hug, to give that handshake. Together. And I understand. We understand. And we're working towards it. But can you be content right now? Right now, can you be content where God has you and has us? Can you be content? Can you say in all circumstances, I've learned to be content just like Paul did? That in every situation he was in, he was able to lean on the strength he had from the Lord to be content. Our lives look at what Paul said. Find contentment through the strength God gives us. It's the strength that we find in a relationship that's so intertwined with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that our contentment is just the fact that we're a child of the King. I just am a child of the King. Nothing I'm going to buy is going to make that better. Nothing, no uh, pandemic opening is going to make that better. If I can't be content here, I'm not going to be content there. No change or move is ever going to make us content unless we lean on that relationship. Because our relationship with Christ and the power that the, that the Spirit gives us in this helps us see a different world. It gives us a new world view. We see things differently. We see our lives as temporary. We see moments as temporary. We see our lives as to be given out, to give love, to bring the gospel message forward. We see situations as situations. But there's a statement that you may or may not have heard. Pain pursues pleasure. Pain pursues pleasure. What that means is that when we're in pain, we're doing everything we can to get out of that pain. Rightfully so. Like my hand's on a stove, I'm not going to leave it there, right? I'm going to get pull my hand out. But emotional, mental, situational pain, ones where you can't pull your hand away and you're in. Do you pursue pleasure in some form? 
Do you go off and look for some way to make yourself feel better? Retail therapy, right? Go online to Amazon. Oh, it feels so good to get that, that dopamine rush as I purchased something on Amazon and it comes three days later. Like, I don't remember what I ordered, but cool. I'm glad it's here. Or like, do you reach out for something else? You're eating a ton. You're drinking a ton. You're who knows, but you're trying to find something to make you feel better because pain pursues pleasure. But in contentment, in contentment, our relationship so intertwined with the King of Kings, you don't need that. You already have it. So really, it boils down to this. Contentment's only going to be found in God alone. It's only going to be found in our relationship when we walk close with Him. Because when we walk close with Him, everything is different. We trust God right in the middle of the storm. We trust God right in the middle of COVID. We trust God with the next situation that's going to rise up. We trust Him no matter what because we're content. When you walk with the Lord, this isn't about religion and all this stuff. You guys know this. We've been talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks. This is about a real, living, thriving relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is a real relationship with the God of the universe who loved us so much that he gave his son and died for us so we can have this relationship. We have the power to be able to be content because of what Jesus did. Do you use it? Do you have that relationship? Because when we don't have that relationship, when we aren't tight, when we aren't having that intermingled, close-knit relationship with the King of Kings, we start to complain. We complain. We, We complain on social media. We complain to our friends. We complain. We complain. We complain. And then we despise the situation. We meet it with contempt. We're like, this, this is terrible and I can't stand it. And you're frustrated and you're irritated and you're bitter. We fight against it. And we meet it with content. Friends, our life with Christ is so important. Our life with Christ, the working out of our faith, transforms us into different human beings. We literally will act and respond differently when we have a thriving relationship with the Lord. Instead of anger, we have peace. Instead of contempt, we have content. When we walk with the Lord, everything changes. Everything changes. Our response to situations should be contentment because of our life with him. So what are some practical things? Like, what are some really practical things that we can do to find contentment? Because it's one sense to say, okay, I, I want to be content in things, like, but we have this learned pattern as humans. And as we walk with the Lord, and as that relationship is there, There's going to be a change in how we act and behavior in response, right? Change doesn't keep things the same. Change creates something new. There's a new behavior, a new way of doing things. So what are some very simple, practical things? I have three here, practical things that you can do right now. So I want to encourage you, write these down. Please write them down. uh, Put them into your phone. Do something so you don't just hear it and forget about it. Because it'll be very easy for you to be able to just real quickly do it and say, oh, that's a great message. Thanks so much. You move on and then you get off to your beautiful day outside, right? I'm asking you to take the time. Take the time to think through this. And we'll start with the first one. Practice gratitude. It's impossible to develop contentment without somehow having gratitude. The two are inseparable. Gratitude is this ability to be thankful for things no matter what the situation, even the darkest of days, what is one thing you can be thankful for? 
My wife has this on our, our garage doors going out. We've got those like black chalk uh, paint on the back door going out of our house into our garage. And she, you would write on there, there's always, always something to be grateful for. What a great reminder as we left for the day, our kids off to school, us off to work. There's always, always something to be grateful for. Can you practice gratitude today? What is one small thing right now are you thankful for? So if you're writing this down, uh, practice gratitude, write that one thing, put that into your notes. What is one thing that you are grateful for today? Secondly, stop comparing yourself to others. This is not a competition with other people. This isn't a, well, my neighbors have this and my friends have that and we have this comparison game. It's always going to lead to being discontent. You're always going to have this inability to be satisfied. You're going to say, but they have more. There's always somebody who has more, better, whatever you want to frame it. But just remember, you're not getting the full picture. I mean, social media, you guys know, right? I mean, we put our best pictures up there. We don't, we don't put the, the, the great point of our kid who's struggling in school. You put up, oh, my daughter's a 4.0. And we don't put up the struggles that we're having in our marriage. We put the picture of people hugging on the beach and everybody's happy. We don't put the story up of at work, how you've been just been chewed out lately and you're really struggling. You're going through a hard time. We put up, oh, I'm so excited. I have such the best team in the world. And then we start to compare ourselves. Like, why does his family and his job and her life look so much better than mine? It's not true. We all have struggles. And when we compare, there's no way to find contentment. And so I want to encourage you today, be content in all things by stopping comparing yourself. If you're writing things down right now, you're writing notes under the stop comparing yourselves to others. Is there something today that you're, you maybe don't really talk about a lot or don't really know, but you're comparing yourself about something? Somebody has something better. It looks like they have a better life. Whatever it would be, are you comparing yourself? Write that down. Finally, serve others. You find a whole new place of being content when you serve. A whole new place of just being able to be good when you serve others. When you use your gifts, your talents, and abilities for others. When you share your talents, your time, your resources, you just, it's just a different worldview. You see things differently when you are one who is serving because serving is the opposite of the high maintenance thing, right? High maintenance is come serve me. I need, I need, I need. Serving and helping others says I give, I give, I give. Radical generosity of who I am. I give out to everybody. Think of a way right now, again, writing it down. Is there a way that you can serve somebody today in a small, small little thing? Is there a way that you can give of yourself in a very easy thing today. As we close up our time, I want to read this passage from Philippians again. I want to read it slow. I want us to marinate it. And I love the word marinate because whenever you marinate something, it takes up the flavors of that which is around it. So you take a steak, you put a good marinade, it picks up the flavors of that marinade, right? And so now the steak has the flavor of the marinade. So I want to marinate on this passage this morning and let this just soak into you. This is a great way for us to close up this uh, series that we had in fear, faith in uncertain times. Can you find yourself content because of your relationship with Jesus Christ who gives you strength 
through all things. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The key to Paul's ability and strength to endure all things and to stay content is his thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. May we this next week embrace a new way of seeing the world, a new way of seeing life, a new way of living. And like Paul, we lean on the strength we have from Christ to be content in all things. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.